Well, good morning. How are you this morning, my friend? Doing great. Doing great, man. Beautiful day here in Fort Worth, Texas. 75 degrees this morning. Well, right now I'm in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, traveling today. And, uh, you know, I thought it would be pretty cool if we kicked it back off, touching it slightly back on resurrection. But, you know, what actually allows us to walk in that resurrection power, you know, that anointing of God that he has allowed us to walk in so that we can be empowered, you know, because the word says that we have been endued with power. So how are we able to be endued with power so that we can have the capability to live out this Christian life? You know, it's interesting to me that even even David in Psalms 51 says, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. You know, we, talk, we hear about the Holy Spirit in modern church, especially in the charismatic and word of faith uh, realm. But a lot of people don't want to talk about the Holy Spirit in a more traditional sense. But even King David acknowledged the Holy Spirit before Christ and said, do not take your Holy Spirit from me, which to me is like a pivoting point showing us how important the Holy Spirit is. Wow. You know, we, go ahead. That's good stuff. Good stuff. Hey, the thing that I, I find that's um, important, what we see from, from, the, from Scripture, is that if you look at Jesus' earthly ministry, it really, he was only on earth for 33 years. His ministry only lasted three years. And so that bodily, physical ministry of Christ was really a short time if we look at it. Of course, a lot was done during that time, and the world was changed during that time by those three years. But right when he's at the point of being given up, you know, going to be crucified on the Roman cross, what does he say? He's like, I'm not going to leave you orphans. That's right. I'm going to send you a comforter. I'm going to send you the paraclete. I'm going to send you the go, the go alongside. It's going to be the spirit of truth. And the world, the world can't perceive because they don't know who he is, but you do. And I love that the Holy Spirit is referred to as the spirit of Christ. That's it, brother. I mean, I love it. Talks about it's over here in John 14:26. It says, and I'm going to paraphrase it. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. So just like you said, we're not left alone. We're not left to our own ways. We're not left orphaned. We're not left by ourselves. But he has sent us an Advocate. What is an Advocate? You know, we talked yesterday about the court system, the legal system. Well, the advocate is kind of like your lawyer, or in legal terms, it is your lawyer. And your lawyer advocates on your behalf. How much more the Holy Spirit advocating on our behalf before God, but not only before God, but amongst men helping guide and direct and empower us. You know, we even see in Acts 2 where the Holy Spirit empower them to speak in other languages. Whenever the, 
the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were empowered. Now, some people would say, well, why in the world would these guys start speaking in other languages? Because it was an evidence. It was an evidence that Christ really died and he really rose again. It wasn't for nothing. It was so that they could proclaim on a Feast of God day for the Jewish people, when people from all over the world came into the city, that Christ died and rose again. They were actually proclaiming, not just praying in the Spirit, they were speaking in other languages that they had no education in, and proclaiming the things of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. So the advocate not only advocates for us, but he's an advocate for those that God seeks. Beautiful. Beautiful. Another part I would say that's very important for us to recognize is that, you know, there's there's people who argue the fact that, well, you serve three gods, and you're supposed to have served only one god. And there's a, a lot of uh, doctrinal uh, argument there as to how that works. But we, we serve a god who's triune. And so he's, he's tripartite. He's the father the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what happens is all these three function as one. They have the same will. And if the Father says something, we notice that Jesus said many times, I only do what I see the Father doing. He was aligned completely with the Father's will. And at any point, if he felt like he was having trouble, he said, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And they come back into complete alignment. And they're always walking in that complete alignment. Well, it's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, he also is fulfilling the Father's will. He's as well as completely lined up with Christ, and there's no division in their character. There's no division in, in their will being done. And so when we have something that comes from the Spirit of God, we can be assured that it comes from God the Father himself and Christ. They're in complete unison and complete agreement. And so what's also important to know is that as my brother said, he didn't leave us as orphans. You know, God promised in, in the Old Testament, he promised this, and he promised it again in the book of Hebrews, we see it, that I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. And you, you can imagine when Christ is about to be um, resurrected, not, not resurrected, but actually taken up from their eyes, they're thinking, what's going to happen? You know, they, they have to be feeling uh, a, bit, a bit naked and afraid. But the Spirit of God, as we talked about in Acts 2, he comes, and he comes in power, and they became emboldened. They became powerful witnesses for him because they realized they weren't alone. And that, that fire and that passion is really through the power of the Holy Spirit that we're able to do anything. So go ahead, brother. Oh, man, that's good. That's, that's powerful. You know, we are actually the habitat or the temple of God. We are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. You know, Paul even encourages Timothy to guard the good deposit through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. That's 2 Timothy 1.14. You know, we have to live in such a way where we are guarding that place, that deposit that was made in us, where we are continuously stewarding it. Stewarding it means we're caretaking, that we're a good caretaker. We're watching over protects. It's kind of like if you were a steward of a garden. Would you allow all the deer and the rabbits and 
other animals to come and eat away all the greens that were coming up? If you did, there would never be fruit. On the same way, as you go through this uh, pelting from the world, you know, the, the rain and the turmoil and the storms, if you allow all that to just to pelt you and just to wear you down and you don't properly steward and guard and protect the things of God that he's given you, the words that he's given to you, that's spoken to you, the impartations that he has put inside of you, and the empowerment that he's energized you with, how are you going to keep moving forward? Even Timothy, who had the largest church of his time, was encouraged by his mentor, Paul, to stir up the gifts that were given to him through the laying on of hands and the impartation through the Holy Spirit, that he was to stir those things up. So how much more us? We must stir ourselves up in God. We must be diligent in seeking him first. We must not get too lethargic. We must not get too weary. We must not get worn down, but we must press into the prize. We must press into his presence because that's the thing. It's all about his presence. We find our identity in the proximity that we have to his presence. Go ahead and say that one more time. Say that that one more time. That's good. We find our identity in the proximity that we have with his presence. See, if we're not close to him, we cannot truly know who we are. It doesn't mean that we're not saved, but how effective can you be as king if you don't know that you're king? The Lord tells us that we are all priests and kings in him. It doesn't mean that we are God. It doesn't mean that we're Jesus because we are not. But we, through him, are priests and kings for him. We represent him. We are his ambassadors on earth. But we cannot know who we truly are, who we are called to be, if we do not have a good, deep relationship with him, if we're not in close proximity. Think about this. If God designed you, Andre, to be the best realtor, and I know you're not a realtor. This is just an example. But the best realtor in the world, and he wanted you to be so so good at it that you could bring bread into the kingdom and you know, rub shoulders with kings and princes, but you were too busy trying to be a preacher. Not a bad thing, but that was that's not your call, you know, in this scenario. Well, if you're putting all your efforts in trying to be a preacher, but you're called to be, you know, a realtor or a businessman, you are wasting time. And see, that's what happens. A lot of times the enemy will put something else in there to try to distract you from your identity, giving you a new dream to refocus you onto something that's contradictory to what you're supposed to be doing. See, that's where stewarding the Holy Spirit and his presence inside of you is so critical. Because if you and I or anybody else get this idea that it's me, my four, and no more, we're in trouble. We must steward the presence. We must steward that relationship. We must steward our time with him so that we don't lose focus of who he has called us to be. That's good. Because it's through his power, through the power of the Holy Spirit in us, because he dwells in us like we just saw in in First Timothy, the Holy Spirit who dwells in us gives us the power to move forward and to have strength. If we lose focus 
and we lose that stewardship, we move out of that, and we move away from him. See, God is like the tree planted by the water. He does not move. If anyone moves, it's us. We are the ones that move away from the healing leaves in his tree, in his limbs. You know, in Revelations, it talks about the tree of life, how the leaves would be the healing of the nations. Well, in reality, God is healing. He is our healing. If we move away from the shade of his tree, the rest that he has for us, and away from the healing leaves that he's provided for us, it's us that move, not him. Yeah, well, good. He, tell he's you. stable. Come on. Absolutely, 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 and that, that's a that's a good word, brother. It's a good word. That's, this this topic of the Holy Spirit and understanding who He is, I think that a lot of times we miss who the Holy Spirit actually is and what His job description is, and because of that, we miss out on an integral part of us walking with Him and understanding how we're supposed to be empowered to live this Christian walk. One of the things, and going back to uh, John 14, John 14, 26, Jesus said, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, right. and the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. There's two descriptions here that we find. Number one, that he's the Comforter. And I love that. He, he, he comforts us in the midst of what we're going through. He is our comforter. When we're going through tough times, the loss of a family member or um, the struggles that we find on a daily basis, struggling with temptation or whatever it is and you fill in the blank, he's our comforter. He's, he's there alongside of us to comfort us through. It's not that he's going to take, take the pain away or take the situation away or take... Um, the storm away, but he'll comfort us through it, and he's with us through it. And then the, the second description we find is, he shall teach you all things. He's also our teacher. And if we don't have Christ in physical form, you know, doing a Sermon on the Mount, standing in front of us and, and giving us these, these preachings and these teachings, but the Spirit, of, the Spirit of God, he will teach us all things. And it's really, and he's reminding us of whatever Jesus said. And so in that moment, I love that he said, don't study what you're going to say in front of when you're brought before these councils. The Spirit of God will tell you in that very moment what you're supposed to say. And so the Spirit That's of right. God, he's faithful. He, he, he will be with us. Even right now when we're speaking, we're speaking, we believe, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. His Word is inspired by him. We know that the Word of God itself was actually inspired by the Spirit of God. And so we're, we're not taking anything that's new. He, he breathes on this thing. He inspires it. And here we are, thousands of years later, still looking at this word, and it's as fresh as if it was written yesterday. It's the Spirit of God who breathes on it, and he can illuminate things. I love that a lot of times you'll find yourself going through the word, and you've read something dozens of times. But then you read it again, and you see something fresh and new you've never seen because the Spirit of God is alongside of you, the author of the word, saying, take a look at that verse. Read it one more time. And something just That's leaps right. off the page and explodes in your spirit. And so we have a we have a friend, we have an advocate, we have a comforter, we have a teacher. He is the Holy Spirit. Go ahead, brother. Brother, I mean, I'm, I'm going to piggyback right of what you just said. I mean, you're talking about how the Holy Spirit is our teacher. 
I can remember back when I was a young man and I first knew that God had called me to ministry. I went to my pastor and I was in my very early teens and I asked him, I said, hey, should I go to seminary? And if so, what should my focus be? And he gave me an answer that really shocked me. I thought he was going to tell me, learn your Greek, learn your Hebrew, take homiletics and blah, blah, blah. But he told me, he goes, if you're going to go get a bachelor's degree, get a degree in business. He goes, the Holy Spirit can teach you everything you need to know about the word. Wow. But many people in ministry fail when it comes into the business portion of running the day-to-day operations. And that really surprised me. It wasn't that people fail. We're all human. We all have our shortcomings. But it was the fact that he told me that the Holy Spirit could teach me everything I needed to know about the Word. But that goes right back to us stewarding the presence of God, to know our identity in Him. Because as we steward it and we find our identity, we open ourselves up for Him to teach us all things. Because it's not about us. It's just like you perfectly pointed out. We walk into these conversations with no agenda, we don't plan anything out. We may just pick a topic, you know, one or two minutes prior to our conversation, and then we roll with it. We just trust God to give us what we need to speak on. So it's definitely about stewarding his presence, about having a culture of being in his presence, seeking first his kingdom and drawing near to him so that we are within close proximity so that when he whispers, we hear. I think of a, a relationship like a husband and wife. If you think about it, if your wife wants to tell you something, brother, that's very personal, does she get loud to where other not people can hear? No. So it's generally pretty quiet to where if you're not really close, you're not going to hear a word, are you? Oh, that being the case, I mean, go ahead. I want, I want to add something to that, and I think it's, it's really important, is that not only will she not shout it, but there's certain things and there's certain, I love that the Lord, he'll, he'll share secrets with you that only come from intimacy. And there during those times where we separate ourselves, we look at Jesus as our example. The Bible says that he'd wake up early and he'd get alone and he'd pray, get away from the crowd get away from his own disciples, and he'd get alone with the Father, and he'd pray. And a lot of times, what God is waiting for in order to reveal himself and to reveal secrets and, and what he wants us to do next, it's not going to come as Elijah was trying to find, you know, that loud shout or, you know, the thunder, the earthquake or the thunder. He was looking for God's voice and all these dramatic things. And it came in none of that. It came in a still, small voice. And we have to we have to put ourselves in the position to hear the voice of God. And a lot of times that means Brother. turning off That's the phone, Come on. getting away from social media, uh, separating ourselves even from good things to do what, what's best. What did, what did um, Jesus say to, to Martha? Martha, Martha, you're worried about a lot of different things. But Mary's chosen that which is important. And that's not going to be taken from her. She said I want you to finish what you're saying. I real quickly want to interject something real quick. The definition of intimacy, I think, and I think this is critical for whoever's listening to understand this, we 
normally immediately, especially as men, think of sex. That's normally the, the first thing we think of. But the word intimacy actually means close familiarity or friendship, closeness. So it's a tenderness, a closeness, an affinity, a rapport, an attachment, a familiarity, a friendliness, friendship, enmity, affection, warmth, and confidence. Those are the words that describe it in the synonym form. So with that in mind, continue. I think that, yeah, that's really telling. That's really telling that we have this. We're referred to as the body of Christ, but we're also referred to as the bride of Christ. And there's, there's nothing sexual about it, but it, really the marriage is a picture of what, it, what Christ in the church is like. And, and the way we, we interact with Christ now is, again, now we, don't, we no longer know him after the physical, but we do know him through his Holy Spirit. He's making him known to us on a constant and daily basis. And I think it's really important that we recognize that we're, we're the bride of Christ. And as the bride of Christ, that means we spend time with him. That means we do, we walk hand in hand, and we go through the good, the bad, and the ugly. When we took our marriage vows, we said we're going to do it in sickness and in health. Uh, you know, it's going to be uh, richer, rich, richer or poorer, to death do us part. And there's a lot of stuff that happens in marriage, and it's, it's tough. But it's a journey, and you get to know each other through that journey. It's the same way with our walk with Christ. We get to know each other through that walk. When we go through these tough times in life, how would we know the comfort of the Holy Spirit had we not gone through something to where we needed the comfort of the Holy Spirit? And there's certain times, there's certain things that we go through to where we get to know him in an intimate, close friendship through the things that we go through. And I don't know who's listening now and whatever you're going through in your life, I guarantee you there's someone going through something at this point. could be the death of a loved one. I may have lost it, brother. You kind of faded out for just a quick second. Can you repeat the last phrase that you said? Yeah, I said, I don't know what the person listening to or people listening to are going through. You know, it could be the death of a loved one. It, it could be uh, it could be uh, a diagnosis of some sort. It could be, and you fill in the blank, you know what you're going through. But know that if you're a believer, we have a hope and we have our comforter who walks through this thing with us. He's not leaving us. But actually, you're going to notice and sense the presence of God deeper and closer than you've ever experienced it through the things that you go through in life. Typically, on the mountaintop, it's not where you experience the presence of God in an intimate way. But it's usually through that valley situation that you experience God's presence. And he's a very present help in the nominee. That is so good, my friend. I mean, think about it. Even Jesus who was the Savior of the world, the one that we're talking about who was resurrected from the dead, even he would withdraw by himself to places of solitude, to the Garden of Bethany, to be alone with God. How powerful is that? We've got to learn to steward his presence. We've got to learn to rely on him. He's our comforter, he's our healer, he's our friend. I think this is probably a great place to, to wrap this up for today. I uh, want to thank everybody that's joined us today and ask you just to continue seek him first. 
I challenge you to bring yourself into a place where you are presence-minded. Yearn for his presence. Seek his presence. Ask for his presence. And I'm not talking about any presence. You don't ask for just whatever because you don't want to end up with something that's not of God. You only ask for the Holy Spirit. Um, And friends, we want to invite you, if you don't know Christ, to be be a part of this family. Brother, would you like to lead him in a prayer today? Absolutely. Absolutely. One thing that my brother touched on was the fact that we as believers, we're actually the temple of the Holy Spirit. We don't need to go to a church to to actually uh, seek God or, or have our interactions with God as they did in the Old Testament. But actually, we carry the very presence of God in us. Our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. But if you don't know Christ, you don't have that privilege. If you don't know Christ, you go through the same circumstances and situations we go through, but you don't have the same hope that we do. And so we want to share that hope with you, and it's it's a free hope. It's something that it was paid for, it was very costly, but it's free to you. And the only thing we need to do is reach out. We've universally been given a measure of faith, and you can reach out in faith. It's simply believing that Christ died, he came, he died, he rose again, and he's the very son of God. He was who he said he was, and we accept that fact. So I'm going to lead you in a, in a prayer, very simple. We said, Father God, I believe that you sent your son to die for me. I believe that he died a sinner's death in my place. I believe that he rose again from the dead on the third day, and now he sits at your right hand. And I accept his sacrifice on my behalf. I receive you now as my Lord and Savior. Give me a message. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with us, we just want you to know that it's as simple as that. Childlike faith, you're born again. You're you're a new start from this point going forward. Your past is erased, and your future is extremely bright. We encourage you to get involved in a church, um, somewhere that actually preaches the Bible from cover to cover. Uh, and and get plugged in. That means start serving and get involved with the mentor. And we hope to see you next time. And do you have anything else to add, brother? That's it. God bless you guys. We thank you all for joining us, and we uh, look forward to the next conversation. Bye now.